That was the opening music to The Professionals, released in 1966, I believe. Is that right? Yep, November 2nd, 1966. I saw it on November 2nd. <laughs> I'm sure I did. <laughs> you were right there on opening day. Oh, I think I was, yeah. Let's see, the studio. Columbia Studio, Columbia Pictures. Columbia Pictures, there we go. Well, you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews. My name is Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from Seattle, where we've got rain, but we're looking forward to some nice summer weather next uh, week. And I'm uh, Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles, where we're having nice 80-degree weather, and we welcome you back to Classic Movie Reviews. You can find us on iTunes by looking for Classic Movie Reviews. All of our episodes are there. We're also, uh, we have all our episodes on our website, www.classicmoviereviews.net, and on Facebook, where you can find us. Just look for Classic Movie Reviews. Yeah, so this was a fun movie. It was it was more of an adventure movie than I expected. I, I was thinking it was more of like a revenge movie, where they were going to go out and take revenge on somebody for this kidnapping. But really, it kind of reminded me a lot of The Dirty Dozen. It sort of does, uh, although this group, this crew, was a lot grimier, although it was close at times. But Burt Lancaster, I swear to God, the clothes he had on looked like he'd been wearing them for about five years. If he had clothes on, he he was in his underwear quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, he was. I love the <laughs> opening where he just barely escaped being shot. <laughs> he had to run down the street. He was pulling his underwear out of his butt as he ran down the street. What a, what a, what a guy, what a guy. <laughs> Uh, the director, Richard Brooks, had a lot of successful movies. Uh, Blackboard Jungle in 1955, Elmer Gantry in 1960, where uh, it won an Academy Award, and Burt Lancaster was the lead in that. And then a favorite movie of mine, even though it's really dark, uh, In Cold Blood in 1967. But uh, he had a very successful career over a long period of time. The directing was really, really good, and the writing... There were some great lines in this movie. Oh, there were. Yeah, there were. And I thought that the cast of uh, of guys that were going to go rescue Maria, Burt Lancaster, Lee Marvin, uh, Robert Ryan, and Woody Strode, were, were perfectly matched. They, they, they just seemed to really complement one another. And uh, it looked like a, a very tight-knit group. Although behind the scenes, I guess, Lancaster and Marvin sometimes had difficulty because uh, Marvin was drinking quite a bit, according to what I was reading. Too bad. I liked Ralph Bellamy, too, as the uh, as the uh, millionaire railroad magnate who uh, engaged them to go rescue his wife, or we think rescue his wife, Maria, from he the kidnapper. He, he spared no expense to find these guys that he wanted to put together into this posse to go out and rescue her. I mean, he was pulling guys in from all over the place. I know. Didn't he seem like somebody that always had his got got his way? Didn't matter oh, totally. what was going on. Totally. I think his greatest role was when he played Franklin Roosevelt in uh, Sunrise at Campobello in 1960. If you haven't seen that movie, anybody that's listening, it's really worth seeing. It's a movie that was a play, made of a play, and uh, Bellamy plays FDR, and uh, how he how he reacts to the polio that he got. His character, J.W. Grant, seemed kind of 
slimy a little bit at the beginning, like a little too slick, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the modern mogul of today. He had the oil wells on his property, and he was into the railroad and kind of that magnet of the time where he was really trying to make as much money as he could, and I don't think he had a lot of scruples about how he would do that. I would agree totally. Um, this movie was a big success. Uh, at the box office, it did about $20 million in box office receipts and probably more than that later. And I, uh, honestly, I, I think I was there for the f opening uh, in 1966 in Boulder. It was one that I had to go see because it had been, uh, the word of mouth on it was that it was going to be really a good action movie. And it didn't disappoint me at all. I thought the music was appropriate for the movie. It wasn't anything super memorable for me but it it did the job but i have to say that the cinematography and especially the nighttime filming was really really good that was some of my favorite parts of the movie and there's a scene near the end when they're escaping with claudia cardinelli uh, who plays uh, maria where there's a big sandstorm and they're yes going through that sandstorm and boy that looked like something that you'd see in like a science fiction movie or something it it kind of reminded me of uh star wars almost like in those those desert shots so it was it was really cool looking there were a lot of those scenes in the movie one that i remember is when they res or we think rescued but grabbed her out of Roz's uh jack palance's uh fortress stronghold and they're on that rail that uh, mining rail line and they're going down those tracks it was like i'm watching something at an amusement park <laughs> yeah. it was it was really well uh, well put together they got on there and off they went maybe we should go through it a little bit more in a linear fashion so ralph bellamy's character jw grant has put out this call for getting these guys together there's four of them which you already mentioned and Burt Lancaster plays Dullworth, Lee Marvin plays Farden, Robert Ryan plays Erengard, and Woody Strode plays Jake. And you told me something interesting about Woody Strode. Oh, he, he had a great athletic career. He played uh, football at UCLA on the same team that Jackie Robinson was on. And then he played in the National Football League with the Los Angeles Rams and in the Canadian Football League with the Calgary Stampeders. And he was also, I believe, into wrestling and that sort of thing. Uh, and boy, wasn't he uh, in good shape? My goodness. Yeah, the first time you see him, he's riding up to like the sheriff's office there, and he's got just a vest on with no shirt underneath, and he looks like a bodybuilder. He, he's in really, really good shape. Wow. So these, these four experts, one in blowing up things, one with bows and arrows, one with horses, and then one with just general leadership, all get together on uh, J.W. Grant's train, and uh, Mr. Grant explains that... Mrs. Grant is a prisoner about a hundred miles across this desert. A hellhole. A raza, a fortress. He was born in that desert. He and his men know every ravine, every rock, every barranca. It'd take a battalion at least a month. But a few daring men, specialists, 
led by you, could do it in one bold, swift stroke. Why not? You're fluid in Spanish. You know the terrain. You know Raza, how he thinks, how he reacts. I know you could do it. I don't think so, Mr. Grant. $1,000 a man going in. If you bring her back safe and sound, another $9,000 for each of you. He wants them to go into Mexico and uh, rescue his kidnapped wife, Maria, from Jesus Raza, played by Jack Palance, a former Mexican revolutionary leader. And I bought into that story until about halfway into the movie when we find that something else is going on. Uh, and aside, where did they come up with the names of these characters? Farden, Dolworth, Erengard, uh, Woody's uh, sharp. That's 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 and not Jake. unusual. <laughs> Jake, yeah. yeah. I mean, those names that you just don't. I've never met anybody named Farden, Dolworth, or Erengard. Yeah, they're not real popular on the top ten list of names. Uh. <laughs> oh, one other thing about Woody Strode I forgot to mention. Apparently, uh, the character Sheriff Woody in Toy Story was named Sheriff Woody in honor of Woody Strode, which I thought was kind of cool. Definitely, Burt Lancaster and Lee Marvin are the main characters because they spend most of the time on screen. When they're walking together... And they're talking about J.W. Grant, and one of them says to the other one, $100,000 for a wife. She must be a lot of women. Certain women have a way of changing some boys into men, and some men back into boys. That's a woman worth saving. Yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> that line. <laughs> it's like, okay, because Maria is about... 40 years or 50 years younger than J.W. They're out on the trail. They're looking for Raza. They get kind of ambushed by these 10 guys, and they end up killing all of the 10 men. And then they have to decide what to do with the horses of those 10 guys. And Robert Ryan, who plays sort of the horse master, wants to let them go. Lancaster says, Bury them deep. Nine more of their horses are still left. You gonna shoot them too? I guess we'll have to. We can't spare the food and water. You can turn them loose. <laughs> What's so funny? People. We just killed ten men. Nobody bats an eye. But when it comes to one of God's most stupid animals, but harmless. Nothing's harmless in this desert unless it's dead. Yeah. And it turns out they they do let the horses go, and it's a mistake because the horses go back to Raza's camp and that's how Raza finds out that something's going on yeah and so they send Burt Lancaster out ahead as sort of a scout and he ends up getting captured and he gets hung upside down in his underwear again yeah, I love that scene he's it's like who thought of that okay let's hang him upside down and see how that works and the guy that was interrogating him totally reminded me of the guy from Treasure of the Sierra Madre I yeah, expected him to say badges. Was, we don't need no stinking badges. It was the same crew. <laughs> yeah. I think. In that scene where uh, Dolworth is hanging upside down, Lee Marvin comes into that camp and tries to talk them basically into letting him go. But really, he's just a distraction so that Jake can kill these guys with his bow and arrow. <laughs> 
Wow, yeah. wasn't he good with that? Yeah. Whew. And then they come up with a plan where they're going to... Interesting pass. It's a beaut. You should see it from upside down. You know, if we had to hightail it out of here in a hurry, that doorway could save us a few hours. It'd be the same shortcut for Raza. Not if you rig it so we could slam that door in his face. So there's a there's a great scene. It goes on for quite a number of minutes where they're setting all the dynamite and they're laying down the fuses and and I was like, wow, B- Dullworth can really climb that mountain. He was going up and down that thing like I know. nobody's business. Uh, Mr. Lancaster never missed an opportunity to show off his athletic skills that he developed as an acrobat in the circus before becoming a movie star. The guy was a physical specimen. It really looked like he was the one doing the climbing. I mean, they had a couple oh, close-ups, and he was really on that rope. I'm sure it was him. I mean, he. I think he made a lot of these movies because it was fun to do all these special effects. Must have been driving the uh, studio, the director, and the insurance company crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. if he was hurt... You know, he did make a movie called The Train, and he was hurt in that one. He did something to his leg, and rather than stop production or postpone it, they just built that injury into the movie. Jeez. So the last half of the movie, he's limping around on this injured leg that happened in real life because he was doing all those special stunts. You don't see that very often these days. No, can expensive. you imagine? With the, with the amount of money involved in the uh, production. Oh. So, so up to this point, we're about 40 minutes into the movie, and they've made it through a couple encounters and they're kind of hanging out watching this train come along the tracks and they're up in the hills nobody knows that they're there and then further down the track they can see that there's a group of bandits that are dismantling the track and they're going to stop this train and basically you know rob it i i guess at the and the train does stop there's a big gun battle between the bandits and the soldiers on the train and then we find out that this is Raza's group, and we meet um, Raza for the first time, who's played by Jack Palance. And they get all the soldiers that survived the gun battle, and they kind of line them up next to the railroad tracks, and they're sitting there. And honest to God, this is what I thought. I thought, if this movie was made today, then... Jack Plants is, would walk down this line of guys and shoot them all in the back of the head. But there's no way that they're going to do that in this movie because it's 1966. But guess what? <laughs> he walks down that line and shoots them all in the back of the head. And I was like, whoa! I did not see that coming. That was really brutal. Well, we find out that this trainload of army people were, were sort of uh, sent around to kill off entire communities of people. And on a train to Colorado's. Expert marksman. Also expert at torture. A couple of years ago, they burned and looted a town of 3,000 people. When they finished, 40 were left. Fardan's wife was one of the lucky 40. Why are you a revolutionary, they asked her. To rid the world of scum like you, she said. They stripped her naked. Ran her through the cactus till her flesh was. The other 39 rebels watched her die and did nothing. Just watched. 
What were Americans doing in a Mexican revolution anyway? Maybe there's only one revolution. Since the beginning. The good guys against the bad guys. The question is, who are the good guys? They were describing this, and I was like, this movie is a lot more brutal than what I had expected. In the descriptions and some of the scenes. Well, I think, you know, in the 1960s, my takeaway is that that's when the movies started to take on a more modern uh, flavor with the action and the the, uh, realism and and all of that, because that is also the case, I think, in uh, some of the other movies that we've seen, The Dirty Dozen, uh, particularly. I also think it's influenced at the time by the Vietnam War. I think sometimes the scripts were making comments about current events set in the past. Yeah, that's a good point. When I you think about that. it. But anyway, they uh, they watched this massacre on the uh, of the soldiers, and then they're talking about Raza and how they'd all worked together in the Mexican Revolution, and here they were going to rescue Maria from Raza, and. Uh, then I think they show up at that goat herder's cabin. Is that the next sequence that we... Yeah, I think they were spying on the the uh, hacienda where Raza was holed up. And they were planning about how they were going to get Maria out. And uh, Dolworth was kind of getting pretty ex- upset about the whole thing. Like, you know, this is this is pretty impossible for us to pull this off. And Henry says, well, before you blow a gasket, think you can blow the water tower? And, <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I remember what it was. He was he was going to blow a gasket because he saw some woman who was half naked down at the fountain uh, bathing, and he was getting all excited about that. That's what it was. <laughs> he <laughs> was then, quite the ladies' man, even though he never bathed or changed clothes. And then Henry says, you. if you can deliver this dynamite with split-second timing, we can pull this job off. And then they head back to out a ways from the hacienda to where this goat herder lives. And the goat herder had been bringing milk to Maria. And I thought that was a pretty neat scene. There's some really great lighting in that scene when they're inside the uh, train. Yes. Yes. And they have to hide in there because some of the Raza's men come out kind of hiding there and the goat herder is explaining that no there's nobody here and you know it's just me I thought there was going to be a big explosion of gunfire there but yeah that comes later yeah so then they go back later that night and they set up all the explosives and get ready to rescue Maria I liked it when uh uh, I think it was uh, Henry Fardham asked Jake if he could make his arrows with dynamite hit all these targets and blow things up and make it sound like a, a uh, an artillery piece. I think he said it sound like an 88-millimeter <laughs> cannon. Yeah. And, and Jake said, oh, I think I can, and he did. Yeah, he kind of grabs one of the sticks of dynamite and is holding it in one hand and puts it up to the arrow, and he's like kind of figuring out the weight of it and... This guy's an expert uh, bozeman. Oh, and he's really good. But then we get to the point where they're just about to rescue Maria, and 
things aren't as they seem, as we've been led to believe they are. I know. When I saw this for the first time, I was surprised. Like, oh no, she hasn't been kidnapped. She's run she, away. She's run away from J.W. Grant to her uh, lover boyfriend, Raza. And Burt Lancaster has that great line. Amigo, we've been had. Let's get the hell out of here. Uh, that's one of the best lines in the movie. Yeah, they have a chance to get away, but Lee Marvin goes in and knocks Raza on the head, knocking him out, and they grab Maria. And just as he knocks Raza out, all the dynamite starts going off, and there's a huge, you know, ex- you know, huge explosions out in the yard and total chaos. And they are able to escape. And I was wondering. I guess I, Henry says a, a, quite a few times in the movie that he's made a contract with J.W. Grant and he's going to fulfill that contract and he's he's a man of his word. Yep. And I thought that he could have walked away at that point because it was pretty obvious that they'd been kind of double-crossed by J.W. But he, he seems to really value his word and he's going to follow through on delivering Maria back to him. They end up... They're, they do end up with a bit of a gun battle as they get back to that train that's at the goat herder's uh, house, right? Kind of oh, like. yes. Now they now they, they, they uh, t- get, get the train going, and I think they're chased by the by the uh, men from Raza, Raza and the men, uh, and they're able to get away on the train. And the train doesn't go very fast, so the guys on horseback are able to keep up. And yeah. this was the one part where I was, like, shaking my head going, what, what just happened? Because they end up stopping the train, and it turns out that there's nobody on the train. And I thought, well, if they'd been following the train so closely the entire time, when did the four of them and Maria have a chance to get off and get onto those horses? You know, that seemed yeah. a little bit con- too convenient. I'm I'm not sure how they did that. Even when I watched it again, it's just like they are on the train, and then they're not on the train, and they never show how they got off the train. So. That bugged me, but it's it's okay. It, they kind of had to do that in order to keep keep the movie moving along. So they, they keep... get on the horses, and then they're riding horseback back to JW's ranch. And, and oh, go I ahead. was going to so I was going to say they they uh, end up going through that canyon, and the dynamite that they placed there earlier comes in handy. Yeah, because Maria tries to escape, and as she's riding horseback out of the canyon. Uh, Dolworth lights the fuse and the fuse races along next to Maria as she's riding through that narrow passage and it blows up right in front of her I'm surprised she wasn't killed there so they continue on your way on their way and uh, I think now we're at the point where they have that sandstorm yeah the sandstorm was amazing I love the cinematography in the sandstorm and uh, they're all about at the end of their life at the end of that thing. But they do make it back to get shelter. And then later that night, there's a great speech about what Maria would do for the revolution. You let Raza live. Why? Shall I tell you? You are simpatico. No man was more loyal to the revolution than you. I fought like any other man. Loyalty such as yours, that comes only from devotion to a cause. That same fire 
burns in Raza. That is why you could not see him murdered. He is a thief, trying to steal $100,000. And you are a whore, cheating on your husband. My husband stole millions from this land. Our land. If we can keep the revolution alive with that money for even one more day, then I'll steal and cheat. And whore. And anything else that must be done. And she tries to seduce Burt Lancaster's character. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. And he, he thinks that, yeah, he's going to get lucky. But then she tries to take his gun out of his holster, but he already had the gun and pulls it on her. And <laughs> so he was on just, to, he was on to her uh, action. Yeah. So they so, continue to ride through the desert, and they're just totally dehydrated. It's totally hot. They get to this little watering hole that's got a little bit of water in it but a lot of salt it's kind of like salt flats and i think it's robert ryan's character says here eat a little bit of this salt it'll make you feel better and i couldn't is that true does if you're feeling that way does eating some salt help i don't know well i think i think salt helps you retain water okay so it it probably would make some sense that way but it'd make Uh, you thirsty too it would yeah, it would. Yeah. I'm still I'm still amazed at the names of these people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, I got to get past that. So they're they continue on their way, and Henry and Dolworth are talking on the way, and there's a line where Henry says, "You know something, Rico? Yeah. That's a lot of women there. Beautiful." Classy and guts. Hard enough to kill you and soft enough to change you. Reminds me of another Maria. Yours. Amigo. Don't con me. She's going back. If I have to do it alone, she's going back. It's just what I wanted to hear you say. So what else is on your mind besides 100-proof women, 90-proof whiskey, and 14-carat gold? Amigo. You just wrote my epitaph. <laughs> yes, yes. No, they got some. The, the line. I, I was. Uh, did we mention who wrote the screenplay? Oh, Richard should, Richard Brooks was uh, was the director, the producer, and he did a lot of the writing. It looks like he did most of the writing. Yeah, I think he. There was a novel that this was based on, but he wrote the screenplay. And there's just a ton of these great lines. There really are. In fact. Um, as they are kind of making their last stand, it's the final push to get to the uh, ranch, JW's ranch, and there's kind of one more pass that they have to go through. And what they end up doing is they leave Dolworth behind to kind of hold down the pass while Henry and Erengard and Jake and Maria continue on. Amazingly, Dolworth is able to basically take out all of Raza's men, and there's just Raza left and then a woman who was part of his crew. And I like that there was a woman in the crew. And apparently Dolworth and that woman had some history where during the revolution they had hooked up. <laughs> yes. I guess she hooked up with everybody from what they were saying. I think her name, character's name was Chiquita. Yeah, she said that she never said no to anybody. <laughs> yes. Chiquita! 
How's your love life? Terrific. You want some? Don't you ever say no? Never. Anybody? Everybody. <laughs> and uh, I, I forget exactly how she make, uh, makes her end, meets her end. Well, they so it's just her and Raza and Dolworth, and Dolworth has got Raza and her pinned down, and Raza's got a pretty bad leg wound. Dolworth's been hit, but it's like a wound in the butt or something. It's not it's not critical, and uh, Chiquita is kind of tending to Raza's wounds, and there's some great back and forth between Raza and Dolworth. You know, of course. One of us must die. Maybe both of us. To die for money is foolish. To die for a woman is more foolish. Any woman, even her. How long do you think to hold us here? Oh, a couple of hours. And then what happens here won't matter. She'll be Mrs. Joe Grant again. But that will change nothing. She is my woman. Before, now, always. Nothing is for always. Except death. Ask Fierro. Ask Francisco. Ask those in the cemetery of nameless men. They died for what they believed. The revolution? When the shooting stops and the dead are buried and the politicians take over, it all adds up to one thing, a lost cause. So, you want perfection or nothing? Oh, you're too romantic, compadre. La Revolución is like a great love affair. In the beginning, she is a goddess, a holy cause, but... Every love affair has a terrible enemy. Time. We see her as she is. La Revolución is not a goddess, but a whore. She was never pure, never saintly, never perfect. We run away, find another lover, another cause. Quick, sordid affairs, lust but no love, passion, but no compassion. Without love, without a cause, we are nothing. We stay because we believe. We live because we are disillusioned. We come back because we are lost. Die because we are committed. I just really enjoyed sort of that back and forth between the two of them. And then they kind of decide that they're going to try to get through. So Raza and Chiquita get on horseback, and Raza says, I'll go first. And Chiquita says, No, I'll go first because he'll, he'll never shoot a woman. And so she, she rides out, takes a few shots at Dolworth. And then Dolworth shoots her and knocks her off her horse. So I guess she was wrong, because he 
had no problem shooting her. And then Raza kind of comes riding up, but he's so badly wounded, he's pretty worthless at that point. And then there's some great dialogue between um, Dolworth and Shakita as she's dying. And Yes. Hello, baby. Hello, baby. Long time since I hear. Hey, you have a fine, that damn gold mine, huh? Has a gun in her hand and puts the gun up to his head and pulls the trigger, but she's out of bullets. I am not lucky today. But you're beautiful. Baby. We had some fine times together. Terrific. Give us a kiss. That was that was that whole scene in the canyon with him and, and Raza's men and Raza and Chiquita was was really fun to watch. Um, just yes. some great dialogue and great setup, great action. So then we uh, fast forward and they're back at uh, J.W. Grant's uh, train ranch property and uh, it all unravels. Yeah, because it turns out that Dolworth has brought Raza along with him, along with all these horses, and they all meet up there just on the other side of the train tracks, uh, you know, and J.W.'s ranch is kind of on one side, they're on the other. And J.W. comes up and says, good job, you guys did it, I knew you could do it, do it. you guys should head into town and everything, you know, all the expenses are on me, you could take a bath, and Dole is like, bath, what is it, is it Sunday night? <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it April? <laughs> yeah. In his case. And, and uh, Henry Farden is like, well, we don't consider our contract done until we deliver Maria safely home, and He's very careful about how he says that safely home because he is not about to turn Maria over to this guy. And it turns out that he's kind of the kidnapper. And Henry's got a line near the very end where he says, You don't think that J.W. Grant was stupid enough to pay that ransom, do you? Certainly not. There was no kidnapping. Right, Mr. Grant? Is that right, Mr. Grant? That is none of your business. Wrong, Mr. Grant. We made a contract to save a lady from a nasty old kidnapper. Who turns out to be you. We both made a bad deal, Mr. Grant. You lose a wife, and we lose $10,000 apiece. You bastard. Yes, sir. In my case, an accident of birth. But you, sir, you're a self-made man. Oh, I know. That's that's another high, highlight <laughs> of the film for me. Yeah. After the wagon is going off into the distance. Yep. <laughs> but you, sir, 
But you, sir, are a self-made man. Gets on his horse and rides off. Rides with off. And the music and, rises, and off all of them go back into Mexico. And I was surprised that JW didn't just shoot them all in the back, but I think he was. They kind of got the better of him, or something. I don't know if they'd taken the weapons away from his men or not. They mm. may have. I don't remember that right now. Yeah, but maybe. I was uh, just a couple of asides about the movie. A lot of it was filmed uh, here in California in the Coachella Valley and uh, in the Valley of Fire State Park. I'm not sh- I haven't been there, so I'm not quite sure what that is. But during the filming, the cast and crew stayed in Las Vegas, and Woody Strode wrote in his memoirs that he and Marvin got into a lot of pranks, and on one occasion they shot an arrow in the Vegas Vic, the famous smiling cowboy neon sign outside the Pioneer Club. (laughs) (laughs) You can imagine. Let's go out, let's go out and have a lot of drinks and then shoot arrows into things, you know? Oh my gosh. Wow. Trouble on the way. I can only imagine what Las Vegas was like in 1965 or yeah, probably 65, 66. A wild and crazy place. <laughs> yeah. I gave the film uh, an 8 out of 10. Uh, it's so much fun. It's great. I hope everybody that hasn't seen it gets a chance to view it. I didn't quite put it up to the 9 or 10 level just because of the, uh, well, this the scene where they get off the train and we're not quite sure how that happens. Uh, the plot at the end is a little bit, confusing at first and it just doesn't hold together like uh our tens that we've done in the past like double indemnity and grapes of wrath but boy it's it's a dandy movie i sure remember seeing it and enjoying every bit of it yeah i really enjoyed it and i loved the cinematography i i loved some of those lines Uh, some of the interaction between the characters was great the only thing that didn't hold together for me was how they got off the train. But other than that, everything really seemed like it made sense. I went as high as a nine. I, I thought it was great. I really, really liked it. And it's a great change of pace from some of the movies we've been watching. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. Our next review, our next podcast, what are, what are we going to do for that? Well, we're going to change our plans a little bit. We're going to watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie. And we went back and forth between Vertigo and Notorious, and I think we decided on Vertigo. Yeah, we did. We did, which is a great James Stewart, Kim Novak movie from the mid-1950s. A lot of psychology in the movie. A lot of people consider this his best movie, and one of the best movies ever filmed. So I'm going to send you a link to an article on a website that I recently read about this movie and they kind of deconstruct it but okay uh, i'm looking forward to it it's one of the more complex roles that jimmy stewart it may be his most complex role because he becomes obsessed with with what's going on so it's a really good movie and, and then uh, let's see you'll be and then in two weeks yeah and then in two weeks we're going to do our double feature of seven samurai and the magnificent seven and we might be, be able fun. to do that one in person because you're coming up for the graduation. Yes, that, that, that's right. So like maybe we did we'll in do February. That in person, yeah. All and right. then we'll we'll see you after that. But that's our next two weeks. The endless supply of movies. We can be doing these forever. Oh, we we'll we'll never run out of movies to watch. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess 
that concludes this week's uh, podcast. We hope uh, you've enjoyed it. This is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles. And this is Matt Johnson in Seattle. And we're both wishing you a great week of movie watching. Thanks, everybody. Hi, Grandpa. Hi, Haley. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. We're doing our podcast. You look great. Thanks. I can't wait to see you next week. Yes, we will be there. We're coming. We'll be there Wednesday afternoon. Awesome. And then we'll see you Friday for (laughs) sure. Definitely. At my graduation. That's and then there's a party the next day. Yeah. I'll be at that too. Nancy and I will be at that. We're staying at Tracy's. Oh, fun. Yeah. In her guest bedroom? We can, yeah. We can take care of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty much done now, right? Yeah. With school? Uh, I still have finals the week after. I love you. Love you too. All right. I'll see you next week. Okay. Good luck on finals. <laughs> Bye.